Welcome to Prodigal's Morning Podcast. If you're tuning in, we hope that you'll get something from this. Our goal is to help you to navigate the world system, to combat the world system, to contend for your faith uh, in a world that is increasingly hostile to you, increasingly hostile to Christianity, increasingly hostile to God. So today, our topic is going to be the ever-popular evolution maybe you've heard this before that evolution is is rock solid science and that um that those backwoods backwards christians are uh those backwards backwards christians just believe in a book and not in the uh great science of evolution or maybe you are are christian that uh that believes that well the bible and the and evolution can can be combined that they can be syncretized in other words um maybe maybe they aren't total opposites um today we're going to talk about that and give you some practical uh advice maybe talk you through some of these things biblically logically and evidentially and also a bit scientifically because you don't have to check your brain you don't have to check your scientific brain at the door of christianity that's not how biblical christianity works um, this we plan to be an ongoing series. We are not attempting to address every single element of Christianity and evolution in one video, but we're hoping that you can get something from this uh, to take back to your school in order to defend your faith. Um, sitting next to me is my lovely wife, Savannah Dover. Hi. And I'm Westover. Uh, and this is prodigal. So let's start the conversation with evolution and why it is, why it, for you as a Christian, why it is important to keep yourself separate from this, this, this train of thought. What, what's the deal with why evolution is a, um, why is evolution something that you as a Christian should not believe in? Well, primarily, we have to look at the Word of God and what the Word of God says. If the Word of God allows for it, if it leaves room for evolution, there's no issue. But if the Word of God does not allow for it, if the Word of God is written and it does not allow for evolution, you young Christian have to draw your line. You have to draw your line. If you think that evolution is rock-solid science, which I don't think it is, but you also believe in the Word of God, you need to determine for yourself what will you believe. Do you trust what you can see, which would be evolution in this case, if that's you, or do you trust what the Word of God says? But there's no there's no mixing ground for evolution and Scripture as we're about to see. And I think this is a really good time to go ahead and define what we mean by evolution. So... There are two different types of evolution that we'll talk about a lot that you might hear in your science class or in a biology class. There is microevolution, which has to do with um, adaptation and certain kinds of animals um, adapting to their environment and then um, evolving, and I've got air quotes around that because I'm not a good podcaster, but evolving to... Um, to be another species and that's something that we can actually see happen so there's um everybody's heard of darwin and his finches in the late 50s um up through the 
1970s or something like that, there were a group of scientists that went and studied those finches, and they found that um, there was a nine-year drought, and at the end of that drought, that those finch species were totally, um, in some cases, unrecognizable from what they were originally. So, whereas the original members of those species had, you know, short, small beaks, they the surviving members may have had long, skinny beaks, or whatever the case may be. And my point is in that is microevolution is something that we can watch happen. We can see that happen. And in my opinion, it doesn't conflict with the Bible at all. Um, Macroevolution is where we are seeing totally different kinds of animals evolve into totally different kinds of animals. And that is what we are saying um, is unbiblical. So if we talk about evolution being unbiblical, we are talking about macroevolution. That is the idea that we originated from single-celled organisms in the ocean that evolved into larger organisms and into fish, into amphibians, reptiles, birds, mammals, and then eventually into humans. That is what we are saying is unbiblical. So uh, let me take this time to stop and uh, mention a few things that might be interesting to you. Um, You know, you might be thinking, well, who are you two? Um, Well, my wife, Savannah, has a bachelor's degree in animal science. She taught high school biology for um, a couple years. She is um, very well acquainted with life science and farm science. Um, I have just finished my doctorate through Liberty in theology and apologetics. Uh, I'm also a classroom teacher of of English. Uh, So I I want to rule out something right off the bat that we don't know what we're talking about. Um, not only have we seen this from a theoretical standpoint, we've studied it, we have um, investigated it, but also we've seen the detrimental effects that evolution has in, in people's lives. And we see it um, in the classroom, we see it in the adult world, we see it everywhere we look. Um, evolution has, has pervaded our culture to the degree that we, we don't see people as valuable anymore. If evolution is true, and Christian just... just hear me out here if evolution is true if evolution is true there is nothing valuable about us there's nothing valuable about us we're just monkeys we're we're animals just like every other animal um so i want you to think about this logically as well let's jump into scripture and see what scripture says about this topic john 1 3 says all things were made through him which is christ and without him was not anything made that was made now, if you take one verse in isolation, what you're probably going to do is, is think, well, why can't that apply to evolution? Why, can't, why doesn't that leave room for evolution? You don't just take one Bible verse. Not only is context key, Scripture interprets Scripture. Those are proper hermeneutical principles. So Genesis 2 and 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So, I favor a natural reading of Scripture. If you try to do logical and mental gymnastics to make this work, you're going to make it say whatever you want it to. But the most natural meaning of Scripture for what this meant to the people is that there was a man 
that was created from dust by God, and God breathed into him life. You do not have room here for what it originally meant. You don't have room here to say, well, God, you know, that's all metaphor. God made made a man, you know, made an amoeba, and then over millions and millions and millions of years, you know, made that amoeba into a monkey and so on and so forth. Um, or a fish and then a monkey or whatever else. Um, Colossians 2 and 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And that's what evolution truly is. It's philosophy, it's empty deceit, and it's according to human tradition. Because evolution was conjured by Charles Darwin in a lot of ways to try to refute the words of the church. To try to, and not really the words of the church, but the words of God, the words of the Bible. That's what, uh, that's what Charles Darwin was after. He, he obviously had a bent. He had a motive. Um, and our motive here is to teach what God's word says because God's word is what will hold. It will withstand any storm that can come its way. The Bible has been proved and tested and tested for thousands of years and has not once buckled, has not once failed. So, Christian, I want you to take this to heart. Maybe you got into your high school biology classes and your, your teacher was bent on making you think that your faith was stupid because it disagrees with evolution. Your faith is not stupid. But I do want you to understand this. For you who wanted to combine your faith with evolution, I want you to understand that evolution is a completely different worldview. It's a human philosophy. So, a little bit of a, a story time. So, when I was in college, I was, you know, in animal science, and I was going through all these college classes, biology, chemistry, um, all, of, all of those science classes and everything. And, and I was a Christian that believed in evolution. And, and my standpoint was that I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how God caused evolution to happen. I kind of, in my mind, I was like, well, God caused evolution. Um, and because we can see the scientific fact. And that was that. And, and I was working cows one day with a... Uh, a person who was a couple years younger than me he was new to the school and we were talking about um, some of the biology professors there at the college and, and he mentioned that someone was uh, was an atheist and evolutionist and he used those two words kind of in the same sentence and I was like well what do you mean by that I hadn't heard someone um, say that the evolution the person that believed in evolution was also inherently a person who didn't believe in God and, and he said well um, and I said that. I said as much. I said I didn't think someone who believed in evolution um, didn't believe in God. And, and I still don't. I think that um, that there are different opinions. I do think that now I have a more biblical one. But um, he said, well, you know, I do think it's the same thing. And it was the first, um, first time that I'd ever been exposed in my whole, you know, el uh, my, my whole education career, I guess you could say, to evolution not being rock-solid fact was there working cows with another student who told me that he thought to believe in evolution was to not believe in God. And um, and it took me a few years before I was, was convicted through, you know, maturing in my faith, through exposing myself to other, you know, solid Christian ideas and to other people um, who like like my husband who uh, was a was a solid Christian thinker and was able to kind of disciple me in 
before we were married to kind of disciple me in, in friendship and the correct way to think, correct way of thinking. Um, but believing in evolution and trying to mesh that with the Bible, um, you kind of have to look at a lot of people's reasoning for that, going back to what I was saying earlier, was, um, you know, they think that the Bible, especially Genesis, is some sort of a metaphor. That it's metaphorical, that that's, you know, that those stories didn't necessarily actually happen. And a lot of times people will go to the ark like there wasn't actually a global flood. Or people will go to Jonah and the whale that he actually didn't spend three days in the belly of a whale and stuff like that. Because those are things that our mind sees and thinks, oh, that's impossible. Um, but the thing is, okay, what is more impossible? Is it more impossible for the world to be flooded and people to fit two of each kind of animal, not two of every animal, but two of each kind of animal on an ark? Or is it more impossible for a man to die on a cross and come back to life? And see, the thing is, is that if we're going to believe in the Bible, which we should because it's true, if we're going to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, then we have to be prepared to believe in the entire Bible as it's written as an inerrant document. And so when you're looking at evolution and kind of thinking about evolution and trying to weigh it in your mind, like, oh, well, these this is what I perceive to be fact and this is what the Bible says, we have to remember that our whole faith, our whole religion, theology, everything hinges on the fact that the Bible is true and nowhere in the Bible does it say, nowhere in the Bible does it say that... Genesis is a metaphor. So if I had a theme for today, and we're about out of time for this segment of today's show, but if I had a theme for today, it's quite simple. Draw your line. It's very simple. Draw your line. The first commandment says you will have no other gods before Yahweh or before God, you shall not have no other. You shall not not have any other gods. So, if I were to, if I were to have a theme for this, it's draw your line. Are you going to believe in evolution, or are you going to believe in what God's word says? We know that God made man out of the dirt as a man, as Adam and Eve. And onto what Savannah was saying, onto what she was saying. You cannot take the Bible and cherry pick it. That's It's either all the Word of God or none of it is. It is not meant to be... Genesis is not meant to be a fairy tale. You can see this because that's not the genre of literature it is when you get into biblical literature. Um, there are some elements of Scripture that are meant to be poetry, like the Psalms. You, there are some elements that are meant to be more poetic like when Jesus gives them a parable but these are always they, these parts of scripture are always very clearly marked for example in the New Testament the writers often said and he gave them this parable which was meant to tell you and me the reader that hey this is maybe not supposed to be a literal story or a real story but it it is meant to teach this thing or this moral this moral but the thing we see about Genesis, we don't see any of those hallmarks. We see Genesis as a literal history. Genesis is literal history. Adam and Eve really existed. A man and a woman created by God in 
the Garden of Eden who sinned and plunged the world into sin. And this is the thing that got me. And on to, um, you know, Savannah told you her personal story about uh, about her uh, getting over the religion of evolution or her getting over the temptation to believe in evolution. I actually had one myself. When I was in high school, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, I didn't know many Bible stories, actually. Um, I was still confused on who Moses and Noah were. It wasn't until I went to, you know, college, you know, uh, at 18 and began my, you know, undergrad. Uh, I went to a, a private Christian university. Um, it wasn't until then that I learned a lot of theology and Christian apologetics and, and true scripture. Um, you know, because sometimes you need someone to help you understand it or lead you in it anyway. And um, what I learned was what got me at, at one point. I had a friend that told me that he was a Christian, but he believed that God guided evolution. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you think that, oh, well, God guided evolution. But let me warn you not to go down this rabbit hole. Here's why. Because, number one, it goes against Scripture. You have to reinterpret Scripture to the modern day. That's you absolutely have to do that. Do you think that? Do you think that in Genesis or in a? Do you think that in Jesus's day? Um, do you think that the modern Jew would have accepted that that men were originally fish or monkeys or whatever other animal? Do you think that? You know? Do you think that Jesus would have agreed with the idea that we're we're just like other animals? No, he obviously wouldn't. But here's the thing that got me, and this broke me of my theistic evolution um, sympathy, if I want to put it that way. This this kind of broke me out of that idea that this kind of broke me out of that idea that theistic evolution could be true. If theistic evolution is true, let's go back to Genesis one one, or let's go to Genesis one, and I'm going to read you through it, and I'm going to show you. What really got me, what really got me, and this is another thing I want you to know, is line in the sand. because Or, or a line, not in the sand. That, draw your line. What are you going to believe? If, if these two elements are against each other, what are you determined to believe? So, if we have evolution, and Savannah, you can correct me on this. If you have evolution, it's you have to have millions of years, Right? Is that uh, you for, for, for macroevolution? For macroevolution, you have to have millions of years. The theory of evolution basically states, and yes, I do call it a theory. There's a reason for that. So do scientists. I still call it a theory. Even though there are some professors I've actually had that have said theory doesn't mean a theory; it means something that's rock solid fact. I still want to have a conversation with that one one day. But um, anyway, the theory of evolution posits millions of years. We're good on that. Okay. Well, in millions of years, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, that also presupposes there's millions of years of death. There are millions of years of things dying and uh, they're survi and surviving races evolving and, and then more things dying and dying to things like disease and cancer and, and injury and all these different things. Am I right in that assessment? Yes, I would say that you're right. So here's what the Word of God says, and this is what I want you to take away from it because we're about at our 20-minute mark. We're trying not to have these videos too terribly long. Uh, because I know my attention span is rather short um, and I don't have much time to listen to things like this unless I'm driving but um, I know not everyone is like me and I do thank you for tuning in the Bible says this in Genesis 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters now 
pause there. I want you to listen to this. Genesis 1.10 says this, and we're going over, you know, we're skimming through creation because God is creating the heavens and the earth and uh, evening and morning and then all these different things. Verse 10 says, God called the dry land earth, the waters were gathered together, and together he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Okay, the next day he creates plants and vegetation. He creates plants and vegetation, and then he again says in verse 12, and God saw that it was good. And then in 14, he creates day and night, and uh, and he says, and let them be for signs and season, for days and years, and let then be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And verse 16 says, And God made the two great lights, the sun and the moon. And then he again says in verse 18, And God saw it was good. So we have God creating everything. Let's scroll down. Let's scroll down to when God creates man. So God says in verse 25, And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So here we see another thing that contradicts evolution. There was no convergent species. The, the theory of evolution says we originally all, animals, humans, all came from the same original species. And this you know, throws that out right off the bat because, well, God created different species that you know, God created different species um, and not giving them the chance to diverge. But this is my point here. In verse 27, God creates man in his own image. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. And then in verse 31, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Now, wait a minute. God is saying that everything he has made up until this point was very good. If we agree with millions of years of evolution, that means millions of years of death and suffering and cancer and, and tooth decay and everything else you can think of. Is God really saying that death is really good? But even further to that point, if you go on to when Eve eats the, eats the fruit, if you go on to chapter 3 to the fall of man, if you're on chapter 3 to the fall of man, the Bible says that the Bible says that death entered through the man, Adam. Death entered this world through one man. And let me pull up that reference. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. But what that teaches us here is this, that there was no death before Adam and Eve sinned. So you have to draw your line. Evolution says, no, there was millions of years of death prior to Adam and Eve. That Adam and Eve stood on the bones of fossils, or the, the fossils of dinosaurs that have died to do things like cancer. And then in evolution, theistic evolution's worldview, God calls that very good. No one needs to tell you that evolution, no one needs to tell you that cancer is not good. God would not call cancer good. But another thing, evolution says that millions of animals and, and organisms died prior to Adam and Eve. Romans 5.12 refutes that, saying that death entered the world 
through sin and sin enter the world through one man so death is is linked to sin is because of the existence of sin and sin did not exist in the world until Adam sinned until man was here I want you to think about those things that if evolution is true Adam and Eve are standing on the bones of millions of animals that died in horrific ways if evolution is true the Bible's not and just to be to clear on that point and we are winding down um, a lot of people would argue that okay well Adam and Eve were alive longer ago than six to ten thousand years than what the Bible says and um, and, and the reason that that doesn't make sense that, that trying to kind of fit the story into that viewpoint doesn't make sense from an evolutionary standpoint is that remember from an evolutionary standpoint Adam and Eve would have evolved from apes that would have evolved from another smaller type of primate and everything else on down the line so they they would not have been alive in a, from an evolutionary standpoint from an incorrect evolutionary standpoint when things like dinosaurs and stuff like that walked the earth. So I hope we gave you enough to think about. We hit the 25 minute mark, um, a little over what we were hoping to, but uh, I want this to be a series. This is a big topic. Um, there is, um, there are literally, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of pages and so many apologists who have tackled this topic. Um, there are so many books like Darwin's Doubt that I've um, been looking into. Um, but uh, we want to thank you for listening to Prodigal's Morning Podcast. We hope that you tune in next time for next episode. Next time, um, we'll talk about Heckle. We'll talk about the scientific evidence for evolution. And what does that mean for you? How do we get around the, the fact that evolution seems to be true? Well, we'll talk about that next time. Thank you for listening. God bless. Have a great day.